0: So friends, our guest for today is an amazing woman, a new friend of mine that I just love, Jessica Honegger. Jessica is the founder and the co-CEO of Noonday Collection, the world's largest fair trade jewelry company. She's created a new breed of social entrepreneurship that empowers women, connects cultures, and celebrates handmade beauty. As well as being an amazing businesswoman, she's also a mom to three, a passionate adoption advocate, and the author of a brand new book called Imperfect Courage. Live a life of purpose by leaving comfort and going scared. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. You guys, I just loved Jessica, and I know you're going to too. This conversation will make you want to get up and chase your dreams and do the thing that's been on your heart to do and do it even though you might be and probably are totally scared. Jessica's going to help us break right through our fears so we can live the life we've been dreaming about, and I cannot wait to share her wisdom with you. But before we do, there's something I cannot wait to tell you about. Friends, registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is open today. Like, right now, today. I cannot believe it. I am so excited. Love Your Single Life is an online course that I only teach twice a year, and registration is only open for five days. It's open this week, from September 10th to September 14th. And then after that, it'll be closed for the rest of the year. If you haven't gotten a chance to check out the course yet, here are just a few of the things we talk about in it. We talk about how to fill this season while you're single with joy and contentment how to use this season to become the woman we've always wanted to be, and how that's the very best way to set ourselves up for an amazing relationship and marriage in the future. We'll talk about a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be our dating secret sauce. We'll talk about ways of investing in our friendships, our relationship with God and ourselves that will make our lives fuller, more meaningful, and more fun. We'll talk about how to meet good, quality men, even when it feels like all the good ones are taken. I promise you, they are not. We'll talk about how to keep your friendships even when your friends are in a different stage of life. I know that can be so hard, but we'll talk about it together. We'll talk about how to be proactive about meeting guys while still being pursued, how to keep ourselves out of the friend zone, how to flirt in a way that is not like cheesy or embarrassing. We'll talk about what to do with our sex drives while we're single because they don't wait until we're married to show up, unfortunately, right? And that's just the beginning. One of the women who joined us for the course last time had this to say about it, and I'm gonna try not to tear up as I read this because I cry every time I read this. I love her words. Her name's Melissa, and she said, Stephanie, thank you. I wish I could hug you a million times over. You have no idea what Love Your Single Life did for me. Just about a year later, I'm newly dating the most amazing guy, but I don't for a second wish he'd come into my life any sooner. Last year was the best year of my life as far as finding purpose and living fully, and I credit so much of that to you. I mean it, thank you. Don't you just love that, you guys? That gives me chills. Friends, if this sounds like it's up your alley, head to loveyoursinglelife.com. You can learn more about the course there, and starting today, you can sign up there too. But make sure to check it out soon because registration is only open from September 10th to September 14th, and then after that, it'll be closed for the rest of the year. One other thing I wanted to mention is that spots in the course are limited, and last time I taught it, we totally sold out. And so, if you know this is something you wanna do, make sure you sign up early. Now I know that some of you guys may be listening to this episode outside of that window of time or in a totally different time of the year, and that's totally fine. If you go to loveyoursinglelife.com, you can still check out the course. And if registration isn't open, you can go ahead and put your name on the waiting list, and I'll let you know next time it opens up. Friends, I'm so excited about this. God has been doing the most amazing things in and through this course. It's seriously one of my favorite things that we do all year, and if it sounds like it's something that could be helpful for where you are in life right now, I would love to have you join us. Okay. With that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here's my conversation with Jessica. Well, friends, I am so excited for what we have going on today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Jessica Honiger, and you guys are going to love her. I We have so much good stuff in store for you today. Jessica, thanks for being here. I'm so glad to, to know you and to meet you officially. I'm
1: excited to get to hang out with you and everyone else
0: today. That's so fun. Um, So, Just to kick us off, tell us who you are, what you do, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I would love to hear a fun fact about you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I am Jessica Honiger, and I founded a company called Noonday Collection about eight years ago. And Noonday Collection is a fashion brand that's creating meaningful impact for people around the world. And I have three kids. That are eight, nine, and twelve, and a really great husband. We're currently remodeling our house right now, so the kids are literally camping out in the living room, living in closets. We are just—it's uh, a hot mess at our where it's like the middle. I live in Austin, Texas, where it's like a hundred ten. So it's been a real crazy summer, but I would say a fun fact about me that is hilarious is I actually, I am, my roots are, I'm like a Caucasian, German, American, but I thought that I was Mexican for, I mean, at least till the eighth grade. Because I grew up in San Antonio okay, and I heard like my, my, everyone in my family, everyone speaks a little bit of Spanish in San Antonio and my grandma grew up on the border and I grew up just kind of like going to Mexico. Like that's just what we did. And I just loved the Latin American culture and I just felt very kindred to it. And one day, um, I was telling a friend like in the eighth grade about, um, you know, my heritage. And my mom overheard me telling my friend that I was Mexican. And my, my heart died that day, the day she told me I have no Mexican in me. That is I was very sad
0: that I love that you made it all the way to the eighth grade. Like that all is way, girl. I, I wish your mom didn't tell you, like, just let you keep,
1: well, okay, here's the deal. Now they have those like DNA tests and I'm oh. like, I'm sorry. Like we think the bo- i have too many people that grew up on the border in my family where there was not some hanky panky so i bet you have I bet, yes i bet i do have Mexican blood so i'm i, I actually have been really wanting to do have you done one of those tests
0: or no. heard about him um i have and my husband actually just did the thing he like spit he in the did. cup and yes and so we haven't gotten it back yet but i think he i think he got it on prime day or something they were like super discounted and i think i, I thought i would let him do it first mostly because i think don't like at least one of them tells you all the things that you should never eat and all the things that are horrible for you or something like that. I I was like,
1: no, like if I have Mexican blood in me, no,
0: exactly. I'm like, don't give me too much information. I love that. I, my school growing up made us start taking Spanish classes every day, starting in fourth grade. And so I started learning Spanish, like way back in the day. And I've spent a lot of time in Mexico and Spain. And I'm not going to say I'm fluent anymore because it's just a little bit rusty, but I've, Spanish has been like, you know, I've taken, I took Spanish classes from fourth grade all the way through college. And so because I've spent so much time in Spanish speaking countries, I feel the same way. I'm like, there's, I, I feel like I'm home when I'm around Spanish speakers. I feel like I belong. Please ignore my blonde hair. Like I don't fit in, but I do. I'm like, these are my people. Yes.
1: Exactly how I feel. I ended up majoring in Latin American studies in college And then I went and lived in Guatemala and Bolivia after college. So, I mean, I I went all in. I went all in.
0: That is amazing. Okay, well, I'm just you know, toasting to our, our Spanish, Mexican, Latin American blood. I love, <laughs> love it. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so Jessica, you said that you founded an amazing company called Noonday Collection and I have been a Noonday and I have been familiar, familiar with you guys for a while and just loving what you're doing. But if girls are not familiar with Noonday, can you like, tell us what it is? Tell us how it works. Just give us some, give us some Noonday knowledge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're a fashion brand, primarily accessories, really fun, almost as if you went to the market in Africa or you went to the market in Guatemala and picked up just a unique find. And we partner with in about 15 different countries. And it started off about eight years ago when my husband and I decided to bring our third child into our family through adoption. So we had had two kids the natural way. And for the third kid, we were like, you know what, That second I didn't just love that. Like, aren't
0: there other ways we can go? We could be done pregnancy? after two. Yeah. We can be
1: good now. And, but we, we weren't done as far as growing our family. And so we really just began to pray and God really led us to international adoption. And international adoption we thought you know what we have a little nest egg we had been flipping homes in the real estate market so we had a little bit of a nest egg from that and we're like we'll we'll, we'll pursue adoption and we walked started walking down that road committed to it landed on rwanda even had a little boy that we had heard about. And within about three months of going down that road, the real estate market crashed. And we were basically living off that nest egg. And then soon, that nest egg was paying for the grocery bills. And soon, we were living off credit cards. So we were in a really hard financial season, but didn't feel like God had changed His mind, still feel like there was this little guy. So I knew I needed to start some sort of side hustle. And around that time, some friends of mine, a few months prior when Joe and I had been researching international adoption, we had actually gone to Uganda to kind of research if that was an option there. And my friends um, had said at the time when I went and visited, hey, Jess, like we've got a bunch of these beautiful African handmade accessories made by some friends of ours, Joliet and Daniel, and they're amazing. And we would absolutely love if you would sell their stuff. And I was like, are you crazy? Like, I got two kids. I'm, r- I'm doing a real estate business. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But fast forward, four months down the road, we're living off fumes. We still want to adopt. I was like, oh, uh, someone told me I could sell some African stuff. I'm going to call them up. Yes. Yes. So I called them up and it just really felt like we were in that time where, where courage had cornered me. And there came a time where I could choose to sit down or stand up. I feel like we are often, when we are at a crossroads in life, we can choose to play it safe or we can choose to simply go scared. So that was my going scared moment. So I opened my home one night to women and women showed up in droves. women wanted to gather around me. They wanted to support our adoption and they really fell in love with these accessories. So Noonday Collection was really born that night. And so the next day, I texted my friends. I was like, everything's sold. It went awesome. And they were like, well, why don't you order this again? And why don't you just start doing this as a business? And so we started with Jolly and Daniel, set up a Western Union account. I went and pawned my gold jewelry in order to fund the website. And it was just this young African couple in Uganda, me hustling hard, working out of my closet in Austin. And now, fast forward 8 years later, and we now have 50 Austin employees. We have 4,500 artisans that we work with that impact 20,000 artisans. And then we sell through a group of women we call social entrepreneurs. And these are our ambassadors. And we have 2,000 ambassadors around the country. And these are the women that are really creating the marketplace for the artisans that we partner with, and they get to earn an income while making an impact. So much like me, I was in this place of kind of financial desperation. Also, I'd had this itch that I'd been wanting to scratch of really being able to create a social impact. And I'm just a huge believer in business as being um, a, a agent of change in the world. And so our ambassadors and our artisan partners and our home office team um, really... Our vision is to build a flourishing world where children are cherished and where women are empowered and where people have jobs and where we are all connected. That was the very long-winded answer, but it's hard to tell me what noonday is and how it all works without telling you how it all began.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, and I love hearing how it began because I feel like a lot of times we have these catalyst moments, like you said, in our lives where it's like, are we gonna stand up and are we gonna try this or are we gonna give up? And and a lot of times when we're starting something new, it feels really small and insignificant and feels like, is this even going to matter? Like, am I actually doing anything important? And it's like, no, every good, important thing in the world starts out of some, out of a need like that or out of a closet or, which is funny because you and I are both sitting in our closets right now as we record I this, know. which I love. <laughs>
1: True. Yeah. Everyone has a beginning. Like we all have a beginning. And I think that there was a time when I was so paralyzed because I thought, well, in order to begin, in order to start, I need a business degree or I need these right connections. Or I need um just to wait on this perfect timing. Or I needed to wait till like spiritually I was ready. Because what if I fell into like pride or something? Like I had all of these things that were just like, I'm gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait. And I think what I realized is and thankfully, um, because I felt like we were in such a desperate situation and because I had such this strong desire to bring our son Jack home from Rwanda, the combination of that really catalyzed me to be able to walk through my fears. And I feel like sometimes we want to pray around our fears or we want to wait till our our fears subside. But actually the only way around our fears is to walk through our fears. Like that's where you get your courage legs when you stand up and walk. And so I know that, yeah, eight years ago, I mean, sure. It's easy to look at me right now and be like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, it's this big thing now, but it started out of my closet. It started what, I mean, I went and shopped pawn shops one day, you know, with, with all of this gold jewelry that my mom and grandma had given me in middle school for special education, for special, you know, events that I had gone through or confirmation or my 16th birthday. And You know, that was my beginning. And I think when we decide, you know what, I'm not going to despise the days of small. Instead, I'm going to just actually... Put value in these steps that I'm taking, you know, like every step has value, no matter if it looks big to someone else or not. It's only in taking those steps where we actually create a path and we can actually look back. You know, I felt so insignificant so much, especially in my twenties. I mean, I have this fashion brand now. I'm the CEO of this fashion brand. We were just in Forbes last week. I mean, we were named in Inc. magazines fastest growing company in the nation. Um, the 49th fastest growing company in the nation a couple of years ago. But I mean, I majored in Latin American studies in college. After that, like I got married, I moved back to Austin. I ran a mentoring program for at-risk youth. I then sold high-end jewelry and wedding china for a small boutique. I then got my master's in education to teach, which was been a terrible idea. I then went and got my real estate license and then I started flipping houses and then I did interior design. I mean, I felt like, God, this this path doesn't make any sense. It didn't even look like a path. It was more just like dizzying vertigo. But I think we think that path to success is straight and filled with clarity and confidence, but that is actually not true. I don't know who that is true for. Maybe if you were like a prodigy and you wanted to be a doctor, you know, since you were like six, but otherwise <laughs> the path to success isn't straight. It's just a process of taking that first step, falling down and getting back up again.
0: I love that. And, and I love that, especially because I think that there, I know that there are so many women in our community who are feeling lost right now who are, you know, I feel like our whole 20s and into our 30s and I think probably our whole lives, we're trying to figure out what the next thing is. We're trying to figure out where we belong and what God has for us and where our place is in the world. And, you know, when we're we're standing, you know, kind of at the beginning of the journey or at the beginning of a new part of the journey, it's really hard to figure out what to do next. And I think there's so much pressure because we feel like, if I get this wrong, I'm going to mess up the whole path. Like I'm going to mess right. up, mess up the whole trajectory. Or we've taken some steps forward and it, and we've kind of hit a dead end or realized like, Oh, I got a master's in education and I'm not meant to be a teacher. And it's really discouraging yeah. to feel like you need to start over. But I love what you're saying that it's like, that's, that's part of it. And And that's part of it.
1: And, I think it really is reframing that, you know? And I think I just, I just want people to know that God doesn't waste anything. And you might feel like you're in this moment of like, what on earth will this ever matter? And I promise someday it will be used somehow in your story. I mean, I can look back at every single thing. Like I was working with midwives in Bolivia, and then I was teaching in Guatemala. Well, none of those things made any sense. But now I use Spanish every day. I mean, at my job, I now are ambassadors part. When you become an ambassador, you get the opportunity to actually travel with us and go meet the artisans. And I take ambassadors now to Guatemala and to Peru and Ecuador. And I act as the translator and I work with our artisans that speak Spanish. And so that now makes perfect sense. And like the year that I felt like I was a lost soul selling jewelry and working at a China shop, I mean, it ends up that ended up being my one year in retail that now I was able to at least to have some idea of what it means to merchandise and to make a buy and to work with vendors like that was built from that one year. And my master's in education, like I ended up writing my thesis on intrinsic versus extrinsic motivational forces in children. Well, my company now is all about harnessing intrinsic motivational forces and others connecting them to this higher good, like not just saying, Hey, here's a carrot. Here's how much money you can make, but actually connected them to a purpose. And like, I learned that through my master's in education, my entrepreneurial journey with real estate, which ended up being such a big fail. I mean, we owned five houses at, you know, once at once at one point in our lives, and we're in massive debt and ended up going into debt because it, that flopped because of the real estate market. And yet that's where I kind of like grew my courage, like to take a risk in entrepreneurship. I learned about SEO and blog and brand and all of these things. So at the time I felt lost. So I know a lot of you listening are like, no, this really, I really am lost. Like this really doesn't connect. But I just promise you that that's just not how God works. Like, I think our job is to be faithful who God's created us to be, you know, like we're all a part of this beautiful symphony and you know, if the cello isn't playing their part, like the whole song falls flat. So I think our job is really to each play our part and contribute to this beautiful, beautiful song, whatever that song is. And it, it eventually, you know, your path does lead somewhere. And and I think too, we think about success, I think we get really caught up on outcomes you know, when it comes to success and we think that, Oh, successful parenting is if my kid turns out. Okay. And a successful career is like this certain title. But I think if we let go of outcomes and really focus on the journey and like, how are we actually getting to the journey, getting to the outcome? Because you can arrive to the same outcome in fear and stress and scarcity mentality and worrying every day, which will absolutely rob you of all of your joy. Or you can get to that same exact outcome thinking I am going to apply the best effort I can and I'm going to walk this path in joy and love and abundance and self-compassion and in generosity. And so I really think success is more about how you're getting to the outcome you're going for. It's not necessarily just about like the outcome because a lot of people can have amazing
0: outcomes and be absolutely miserable. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so good and so true. And It's, yeah, absolutely. So, Jessica, I know that you have a new book that is coming out next week, which is crazy. And I guess it will have come out a couple weeks before when girls are listening to this. So, y'all, it's out. Go get it. Is Uh, that crazy? (laughs) But so, it's, I I love the title and I love the subtitle. I just want to read it. So, it's called Imperfect Courage, right? Live a life of purpose by leaving comfort and going scared. And I know that when we write books, we, usually write them because we have learned these lessons the hard way. I feel like every time I walk through a bookstore, I just want to give all the authors a hug because I'm like, your blood is in these books. Like you, if if you're writing a book about courage, you spend a lot of time being scared. If you, if you're (laughs) writing about healthy relationships, you spend a lot of time figuring out how to do that. Well, so tell us like, how did this you know, I know that your, your company was birthed out of a season of, of fear for you, but can you talk about like the fear a little bit more where, why is this message so important to you?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you say that because I feel like that's something that I'm just recently realized is that we teach what we need to learn. And I think even with writing this book, I was letting fear paralyze me because I was, I thought, well, I need to learn the lesson and it'll have a little bow on it before I can actually like put it in words for someone else to learn from me, you know? And again, it's that perfectionistic mindset that we think that we have to like hundred percent learn something completely, know something completely before we actually move and put ourselves out there. And I just finally realized like my story still has value, even though it's still in process. So I am writing about you know, going scared, which, you know, that's really what I feel like courage is. Courage is being able not to just be fearless. Like I actually don't like the word fearless. I think the life of fearlessness is a sham. I think if you're waiting for fear to subside, you're just going to be just sitting around not living the life you're meant to live. And so to me, courage is really standing up and going scared and embracing that imperfect. So putting aside, you know, waiting for that perfect time and that perfect adequacy and that perfect state of fearlessness or that, well, once I learned that lesson, there's so many perfectionistic ways of thinking that keep us from actually living and moving and into who we are and who we're meant to be that really prevents us too from having the impact that I believe we're all meant to make. And so I really wanted women just to read this book and to take them on a journey. I just see a lot of women sitting on their couch, scrolling on their social feeds in one hand, wine in another hand binging on Netflix in front of them and just feeling like not having a great sense of purpose. And what I really wanted to do is really take a a woman by her hand and just get her to stand up. Just simply stand up. Realize, you know what? I have worth. I'm loved. I don't need to wait on a certain time or a certain adequacy before I stand. And then I want to, I take her on this journey and taking her by the hand and then walking her out that front door. And she walks out the front door and she looks around and she feels the breeze on her face and she feels the sun on her neck. And she looks around and she sees she's got a whole neighborhood of sisters. And, when she looks across her neighbors, when she looks across the globe, she doesn't see strangers. She sees herself and she's moved to be a part of that life. She's drawn a circle of compassion around herself. And then she's able to draw a circle of compassion around the entire world and step into her story. And so that's, that's the journey that I have most definitely been on. As I said earlier, I I, I was that girl sitting on the couch for so many years. I remember just sitting breastfeeding my first baby and just feeling like, is this it? Like, I mean, I just remember coming up with, okay, well, I don't want to go to target tomorrow because then I won't have anything to do the next day. So I better space out my errands this week. I mean, I I don't know. and And I just, I don't know, you know, what was keeping me from just standing up and stepping into my story, but I think a lot of it was just that fear. And so that's really what I speak to. And I do believe by the end of this book, I had a journalist tell me last week, she said, Jessica, by the end of the book, I just wanted to get up and go. And not because you kicked me in the pants, but because you took me by the hand.
0: And I was like, Oh "Oh my God. I love that. You're like, I'm going to write that down and uh, we're going to just like write it in on the back of the book. Cause that's great. That's right. <laughs> so this is what it's all about. Yeah. So I just, I just want
1: us all to do it and to do it together. You know, I think having spent so many times in these different cultures that are super collaborative and you've been around that, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I remember being in Guatemala and I had been there. It was my first time back after having been gone for a few years and I was back with the old neighbors. I was in this little hut filled with about 15 people and there was like a little two-year-old and I could never figure out who the mama was because everyone was just passing that baby around. I mean, it was like it was the group's responsibility to take care of that child that day. And I uh, feel like that's how we're made to live. Like God designed us for togetherness. God designed us to do it with, to go with, to not be alone. And, um, I think for, I think I, I think you choose aloneness. And I think uh, when I think back to my lonely parts of my journey, it's like, I was really choosing that, you know? So, but that's empowering because we can unchoose that, you know, we can choose to go and create community for ourselves and create collaboration and create a space of belonging. You know, I feel like when we feel like we don't belong, we can actually go create that space of belonging. And that's really empowering. And, you know, when I started Noonday eight years ago, I opened my home for these women. And I thought not a soul would show up. I mean, that's how alone I felt. I mean, I'm telling you, you teach what you need to learn. Like I I did feel alone. I did think no one was going to show up for me, but you know what people showed up. I mean, people showed up for me. And that was the beginning of this journey of stepping out of my fears and into this life of impact and, and doing it with other people, which is really the whole ambassador opportunity was born out of this idea that we don't have to do it alone and we're going to go together. So it's been so awesome. I just, I love, I love women. I think that we are incredible
0: human beings. We
1: really are. And I think women get a bad rap. And what I've seen is that when women show up, we go up and when we go up, we bring other women along with us. And that's when we're able to just absolutely shine.
0: I love that. I love everything about this. I feel like there are so many, so many pieces of your story in your heart that I'm like, girl, me too. Me too. I love it. It's funny. I, you know, I think that when you said the thing about we choose to be alone, one of the things that we talk about a lot in my community here is friendship. And mm-hmm. we talk about it a lot because I think as adults, it's really difficult to make new friends. And we find it ourselves is. in a situation where we need to make new friends for a lot of different reasons. Like our husband gets a new job. We get a new job. Our friends move away. We're still where we were, but everyone moves. And the basically the weekend that my husband and I got married, we moved here to Nashville. And the first year of our marriage was the loneliest year of my life, not because yeah. of him, but because, I didn't have any friends and I'd never been in a season of that much loneliness before. And so I had to like figure out how to make friends all over again. And it's so scary. And, and, you know, everything that we've been talking about, like stepping into our calling, making friends, everything, like everything good in life, you know, getting married, dating every, every good connection, every good relationship, every good thing that comes out of our lives is so scary. And that's, that's how it is. And I, I think that an enormous thing for me has been reconciling that fear and, and Mm -hmm. recognizing the fact that it's not going to go away before I do something. And every once in a while, I'll have someone the year after I graduated from college, I did a a year long mission trip where I traveled all around the world and I went to Rwanda. Actually, that was one of the places Uh, I went, which I loved, but I mean, people would ask me like, Steph, how did you weren't you scared? How did you do this? Weren't you scared? And I'm like, I didn't sleep for like six months before I left. I was terrified or launching a book. Absolutely. Like I could like throw up at any moment, terrified every single Good thing in my life, getting married, every good thing I've ever done, I've been so nervous to do because when we're doing something good, it's usually so much bigger than us and mm-hmm. But I think when we're waiting for that fear to subside, we mm-hmm. we sit there forever. It, it will never go yeah. away. I think we just have to like accept
1: that the path of walking towards impact and love and choosing purpose is actually the path of more effort mm-hmm. because we're our default is comfort. Like we're inclined to comfort. We're inclined to couch sit. But I think there's this misnomer that, okay, well, if I'm feeling afraid about something or something's keeping me up at night, then maybe that means I'm not supposed to do it when I think it's actually the opposite. yeah. And I think it it really is accepting that like a life of impact and perfect purpose actually requires a lot of effort. You know, it requires effort to, to go, I'm going to go make a new friend today. And I think to give us the, the, I love this idea of being able to pursue others and unchoose loneliness. And we do that when we realize, man, someone's missing out. If they're not my friends, like I have so much to bring to the table. I make the best friend. Like I'm the girlfriend. That's like, girl, let's go. It's Thursday. Let's go grab a movie right now. You know, like I'm the girl that's like, text you right back when you text or whatever it is. You know, I think when we recognize like we have value, we have worth, like we have something to give and we're not giving it. The freaking world is missing out on us. You know, then I think we're able to just step in and kind of get over ourselves and man, we get to light other people on fire. And that's such, such a beautiful thing. You know, like I, I have my big book launch party in Austin and it's a few hundred people are coming and my kids are going to go with me and I'm already talking to them now, like guys, like you have the opportunity that night to look at people in the eyes and say, Hey, what's your name? tell me about yourself, you know? And like, my kids are like so little, but like already teaching them, like you have the power to create a space of helping someone feel seen and known and belong. Like we each have that power. Like I look back on that on the days when I would just be like, I can't believe I, all I have to do this week is go to target. It's like, I wish I could have been like, I get to go to target today. I get to like Maybe I get to like cheer someone up in the dressing room, or maybe I get to really show up for the woman who's checking me out, you know, or whatever. But like to look around what, right where I am in that moment and say, I have something to give. And if I don't give it, someone else is going to have
0: a Saturday because of it, you know, Yes, and it's true, and and really, the thing that I think that we forget is that everyone needs people, and no one has as many people as you think they do. There was kind of this moment that was such an important lesson for me. There was this woman that I had been such a fan of for a long time who was moving here to Nashville, and this was like three months after we had moved here, and I was so fresh, feeling all of the feels of moving to a new place, not knowing where the grocery store was, feeling so lonely and displaced, and. I had this moment where, you know, I saw that this woman was moving to Nashville. I didn't know her. And I thought, I should reach out to her and see if I can just like bring her some food. Like it, Mm. it, I know that that would have made me feel so much better. And, but then I had the thought where I was like, Stephanie, this woman has a million people who know her and love her. She doesn't need you. And I was like, I, you know, actually, I'm betting, I'm betting she might, or or I'm betting Mm -hmm. that she might not have as many people as I think she does. And I reached Mm -hmm. out and she was like, oh my gosh, that means so much to me. And she was like, you know, it's funny. I think that we all assume that everyone has a million people reaching out, but actually really no one does. And so Mm -hmm. it was this Mm -hmm. just totally shocking moment to me of realizing that we all need people, even the people who you think are inundated with, you Mm -hmm. know, people bringing them food when they move to a new place. They're not, we all need more people. And so if that's true, It's almost like we can go and create community for someone else and we... And then we get it along the way. We get it along the way, yes. Yeah. I have this whole chapter
1: in my book. It's called the sisterhood effect. And I talk about the bystander effect, which sociologists have discovered this, where the more that more people that are around during a crisis, the less that person in crisis is going to get helped because everyone assumes someone else is going to do it. Yes. And I say that we flip that on its head and the sisterhood effect is when we just show up for one another. We don't make assumptions. We don't make assumptions that like, oh, I don't have anything to give. Or everyone's already showing up for her. What do I have to give compared to so what someone else has to give? But the sisterhood effect is when we just simply show up and we ask for help when we need it. Yes. Because I think that is a huge thing too, is like, we want others to perceive us as having all the friends and not being lonely. And we don't want to put that vulnerability out into the world. But the truth is like showing up for yourself is asking for what you need. And that's another way to build community too, is to be able to say like, dude, I just need to town. And I, am actually kind of like, I haven't had lunch with a friend in like two weeks and I know that we hardly know each other, but would you do lunch with me? I could just use lunch with a friend. Well, I think people love to be asked, let people yeah. like to be needed. Yes, Yeah. Yeah. We're not asking people because we are living into this fear of what are they going to think about us? And we want to be perceived as strong and not weak. And, and, you know, it's just, and it, that's what keeps us lonely. You know, armoring up, shielding up is really what keeps us living outside of our lives.
0: Yes. I think vulnerability is absolutely the catalyst to true friendship. And I think that what happens is, you know, we're, we are so afraid that what if I, I let my guard down and this person thinks I'm a mess. And I'm like, you know what, maybe that person does think you're a mess. And the next thing they're going to think is they're going to feel such gratitude because my goodness, so are they. (laughs) Right. You're a mess. They're a mess. We all have things that we're going through. And when we can finally just be honest about it and open up about it, that's when those real like lifelong soulmate best friendships happen. They never happen until we get to that point. And it's scary to, to do it. But again, it's pushing through fear. It's, it's doing it even though you're scared. Yes, I love absolutely, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Use this directed. Clariton, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We love having you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. So Jessica, you have a a podcast called Going Scared, which I love. And I love what you're doing with it because I know that you've been inviting women on who are doing amazing things and that you guys are talking about fear and you're talking about what it looks like to go scared. And I so appreciate this because I think that in my own journey as an author and a speaker and a podcaster, something I, like I said, I feel all the time is fear, all the stinking time. I feel fear. And I think that something that I know I I have needed along the way is to be able to talk to other women and to just hear them say I'm scared too. That mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. reason more than than advice or wisdom or anything else that is the thing that my soul has been craving and has craved for so long is someone to just say, "You know what? I'm scared too and let's do this together." And I'm so I you know I've had some wonderful like best friends in business and women who are doing these things alongside me that I've gotten to say those things with, but that's changed everything for me. And I love that you are opening up that conversation. Like how, how did the podcast come about? When did this all start? And
1: yeah, well, I launched the podcast in February and I really wanted a podcast that was a little bit more all encompassing. So we talk about courage, we talk about social impact, and then we also talk about entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I didn't want to totally pigeonhole it into business. I didn't want to pigeonhole it totally into women. And I just feel like this whole topic of courage, like we can all identify with that. And so, yeah, like released to the top of the charts on the first week in its category. And it's just been super fun and really engaging and I especially love just some of the conversations I recently interviewed Gary Haugen, who's the founder of international justice mission. And so he's had to really understand what it looks like to, uh, to choose a life of courage. And he's taught me a lot about that. And then I had these, um, other guests on that, uh, this, this man it's called I'll push you is the name of the book they wrote. And he, uh, was actually paralyzed from the neck down. Talk about, a, a a story of friendship and. He, his friend said, I want to push you across the El Camino Santiago, which is 500 miles in Spain. And so it's their story of him pushing his friend in this wheelchair across the whole country and having people just come alongside them along the way and cheer them on. And so it's those stories of courage and um, resilience really, because going scared, I mean, really it's about resilience. It's about being able to fall down and know that you can get back up. It's about believing in second tries and third tries and fourth tries. So yeah, it's I I love it, girl. I, I love podcasting. It's so
0: fun. It is so fun. It has been such a joy for me. And and I just love that you guys are having these conversations and my little corner of the internet all started i started blogging maybe 6 years ago and it was sort of this thing i was doing on the side and and i i wanted to be an author and a you know pod, podcasting wasn't really a thing at the time but i wanted to be doing this full time but i really totally did not feel like i was ready well my husband and i met because we were working in a missions organization and 3 months before our wedding we both got laid off from our jobs wow. and we were trying to put together last details on our wedding while trying to figure out what part of the country we would live in and- applying for jobs and all these things and so we ended up moving to Nashville working at a startup for a couple months together and about six months in, the startup failed and we had to pack up our desks again. And so between the two of us, we lost four jobs before our first wow. anniversary. It was wow. insane and, and un- just seasons full of so much fear. But I think the thing, the thing that ended up happening is that both of us ended up deciding, you know what? Like we are at the end of our rope. We have nothing to lose. We have these dreams, these things that I think we can do. And we both ended up starting our, our little businesses out of that. And it was just, I feel like I have such a, an appreciation for for moments like that—moments when you've yeah. lost everything, and moments when you've totally fallen down, and moments when you decide to stand up, even though your knees are shaking. And and yeah. I, I love getting to hear stories of other women and other yeah. people who are doing those things because it just it helps you keep going, especially if you're in that moment where you're like yeah. trying to stand I'm up in for the, the first corner. time.
1: You feel backed into a corner, and you think that it's your ending, but really it's just your beginning. Yes. And I think when you can look at it like that and look for that opportunity and reframe sort of that situation that you're in, I think that's where you can have a lot of hope and actually look, I think we can often confirm the story, oh, God's not at work or I've been forgotten or how am I ever going to get out of this? But what if you looked for the story and confirmed the bias? God's going to show up for me. God's at work other people are going to show up for me, like start looking for that instead of looking for the other confirmation, you know, yes,
0: because yes. you can find either
1: one, you know, but like live into the faith story, not the fear story.
0: Yes. So I know that you have, you know, you've been talking about this a lot. You've been, you know, chatting with women a ton about fear and courage. What are some like central fears that you're seeing across, across us as women? Like what are some of the biggest fears yeah. that you're seeing women struggle with? I think a big one is the fear of how I'm going to be perceived, just the
1: fear of what other people are going to think. And I think that comes from a culture of comparison that we have developed among women. And I think we're so afraid of how we might be perceived or we're afraid of how we show up in comparison to others that it keeps us from not wanting to show up. Um, I think there is a fear that I'm not perfect, that I don't have it 100%. Right. And so, um, I think it's this unicorn thinking, like we have this idealized version of ourselves in our head and we think, well, if we could just become that person who honestly is perfect, like for me for a while, it was like, she's a homeschooling mom. She helps the homeless every day. She cooks organic meals for her kids. She has sex with her husband three times a week. She exercises every day. Like it was like, who is that? But I thought, well, I'm going to pursue that, that person. Because if I just reach that, she also was about 10 pounds lighter than she is now. If I just reach that, I won't have pain in my life. I won't have shame. I'll be accepted Mm -hmm. all belong. So we just hustle after this idealized version of ourselves. And then we wind up empty. We wind up sad. We wind up not having a sense of belonging because we're not living into ourselves. We're chasing a fake person. We're like trying to be a unicorn. And so I think when we can actually just like embrace who we are, you know, our own authentic, real self in the world, and then express that maybe in some small vulnerable way that might feel really scary. I mean, for me... I felt a lot of shame around that I pawned gold jewelry to, for my business because I was this entrepreneur. I was wanting it to be a real valid company. I was being, I would be invited to go to certain business things. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell them that. I mean, that is scrappy. Like, I mean, everyone else is talking about their BC funded companies, you know? So I hid various parts of my story. Like I didn't want people in New York when I'd go for buying events to know I'm from Texas because it's like real fashion. People don't come from Texas. So Mm. I'm just going to avoid conversations about like where you're from. And so I just, we hide these different parts of our story and then we start just to live outside of our story instead of in it. And I think when you can practice that one vulnerable thing, like own that thing that feels so scary to you, But actually what everyone is longing is for your real self anyway. Like no one wants the unicorn because no one is a unicorn. So when you show up as yourself in that vulnerable place, you give someone else permission to be themselves. And then that's where belonging and connection is. So I think, yeah, uh, that's what I see a lot is that perfectionistic thinking, which is ultimately driven by fear and scarcity.
0: I Yes. I love, I love that. That's, you know, I, girls are listening and I know that they're thinking because this is what I'm thinking. Like Jessica, oh my gosh, the fact that you're in New York at a buying event and you're from Texas, like that's, what's so cool about you. The fact that this company was started by you pawning this gold jewelry, that is scrappy in the very best way. And they're thinking, why would you hide those things? Those are the, the coolest things, some of the coolest things about you. And the truth about that is that that's true, but also that's true for me and also for the girls listening, that mm-hmm. thing that makes you feel like you're discounted. That's actually the very best thing about you. That's the yeah. thing to share. That's the thing to show up with. That's, yeah. that's what people want to hear. That's what makes you it special. It's, yeah. and it's so funny. To, it's easy to see in somebody else, but it's really difficult to see in yourself. But I love getting to say, you think that's cool in her flip it around really quickly. That's cool in you too. Totally. I love that. That's awesome. So, you know, we've talked about fear and showing up anyway. Like, have you, what are some like tricks or practical things that you've learned along the way as you've been doing crazy, amazing, scary things? Like, what are some of your go to, this helps me when I'm, you know, about to get up on stage or this, mm-hmm. this helps me when someone's asked me something and I feel really small and inadequate, but I'm going to say yes anyway. Like, what mm-hmm. gets you over that hump? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, some, if we're going to
1: get really practical, like I can often live up in my head and like spin in my head around a lot of different things. And I'm a creative and I'm doing a million things right now. So what helps me sort of break the crazy and kind of when I'm realizing I'm in a place of anxiety is a really hard workout. Yeah. (laughs) So like, that's real. Like when I'm in a place of stress, which, you know, anxiety is a fear of a certain outcome. So anxiety is basically fear. So when, when we're in anxiety, we're fearing a certain outcome and we're usually fearing that outcome because we've attached some sort of identity to that outcome. We think like, well, what if I show up and I fail? And instead of thinking, well, I might show up and fail, we think I might show up and I'm a failure you know? Mm -hmm. So we really like hinge everything on this outcome because we wrap up ourselves in it. So some of it for me on a real physical sense is kind of breaking that. And then for me, um, walking in surrender, like really being able to surrender the outcome and I'll literally play out. Okay. Well, and then that would happen. Okay. And then that would happen. Okay. What if I launch a book and five people buy it? Okay. Well, am I still loved? Yes. Like, do I still have three wonderful children or whatever it is? You know, it's like walking yourself to the worst case scenario and realizing like, Oh, I'm still loved. I'm accepted. And guess what? Do I want to get to the end of my life having not tried or would I would have rather failed a million times, but no, I had tried and gone anyway. And So I think um, some of it for me is just realizing when I'm in a place of stress and anxiety, it's because I'm not in a place of surrender. And I think that um, also learning how to drink while I'm pouring. So being able to really appreciate the journey and stop and walk in gratitude while I'm also pouring out and hustling. I think that that's a big tension that we hold, especially as entrepreneurs, as starters, as just really doing anything in the world. There's like a hustle, but there's also a surrender. And that is, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, like you've got to understand what's your outcome. Because if you're trying to hustle after this certain idealized version of yourself, because you think that that outcome is going to prevent you from living a life of like pain or whatever you know, then that is like a hustle that's going to burn you out. But if you hustle from a place of, you know what, no matter what the outcome is, like God holds this outcome. I'm loved. There's enough. There's enough for me. This isn't my one and only shot. You know, this might actually fail, but might be just one more step in the journey. So I think just like taking off that pressure and again, not fixating on the outcome, but surrendering the outcome and enjoying the journey. And I think that those are tensions, but again, it requires effort. It requires a ton of effort to walk in that space and hold those tensions.
0: I love that. I love that. I feel like something that's been the the conversation that you had with yourself where you're like, okay, at the end of the day, if five people buy my book, then what happens? I do that a lot. Um, (laughs) The other thing that I've, that's kind of been my trick forever is signing up for something well before I can back out because I find it like I am so much braver if it, if there's some time. So like, you know, in that, with that, you know, when I traveled around the world, I signed up to do that a year before I left because the week before I left, no, way did I want to go? Like, you know, launching a book, I tell, like, you know, sign everything I need to sign and put it out there and tell everybody that this is happening. And then I can't walk it back or whatever the thing is. It's yes. I'm so much I definitely
1: try to put myself in situations that you can't back out of. Like I one for me, I wanted to have a home birth because I work with so many women around the world that, well, okay. I didn't, I wanted to have a natural birth mainly to stand in solidarity with so many of the women that I work with around the world. But I was mm. like, if I go do that at the hospital for sure, I'm choosing the epidural. Like, absolutely. I will get the epidural. And so I'm like, I better just do this at home. So it's not an option. So I try to put myself in that position where it's like, I literally can't get out of it. Yes. Um, I yes. also think grabbing a friend because courage is contagious, you know? Yep. So like, if I'm staring down my week and I'm like, Oh, I have a crazy week. There's no way I'm going to want to make it to my workout on Friday. I'm like, tell a friend, Hey, will you meet me there? And then I'm like, okay, someone else is showing up for me. I got to show up for her. You know? So I definitely think putting yourself in a place where you are cornered, like completely cornered by courage. Yes. Yes. And then
0: grabbing a friend to be there with you. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like signing up. So you cannot, cannot possibly get out of it and bringing a friend. Those are like, I think my, my, like my superpowers or yes. the things that have given me superpowers.
1: I love that.
0: So for the women who are standing at the edge of something right now, what encouragement do you have for them? Just like a last like pep talk for them.
1: And I would just say like to really know that you're loved and to know that self-compassion, just drawing that circle of compassion around yourself and really knowing that inner dialogue really recognizing that inner dialogue and making sure that that inner dialogue is being fueled by love and by faith and not by a scarcity mentality and not by, oh my gosh, I'm not enough or, oh my gosh, I'm going to jump and no one's going to be there for me or, oh my gosh, I'm going to jump. But, you know, I, I think we can all stand on the edge and be doing our thing. And I just want people to do it from that place of love and abundance and not from that place of like fear and hustle and scarcity. And I just think that there's so many times in my journey over the last eight years where it's like, I look back and I think that outcome happened. I really wish I wouldn't have wasted my energy fretting about it so much because my fret made zero difference in the outcome. So I just want people to really understand like, man, you are loved. You have everything you need. You're right where you're supposed to be. Gent, girl.
0: Take a step. I love it. Okay. So Jessica, I have three last kind of podcasty questions for you that I always ask my guests, but before I do, I wanted to ask you if women, the women listening want to be a noonday ambassador, how does that work and how can they get involved? Because I have a feeling you have some ambassadors in my audience that are going to be so pumped about this.
1: Oh my gosh, we would love to have you. So you can go online to noondaycollection.com, click on the Join tab, and someone will get in touch with you with more information. If you know of a Noonday ambassador, give her a call and be like, hey, I want to know more. My Instagram is Jessica Honiger, um, and it's with two Gs and one N. And you can always DM me, and I can get you more information. But we absolutely would love you um, to join our team. We are looking to grow our impact in 2018
0: and 2019.
1: 2019.
0: So what does it look like to be an ambassador? Like what would they I know it's like there's tons of information about it but give us like a snapshot
1: Yeah. So what you do is you order your sample collection. And so this is, you get to like merchandise your own little store and you have an online store as well as what you do is you invite other women and ask them to open up their homes to host trunk shows, as well as you can do digital trunk shows online. And so it really is a business of styling So you're styling women, you're helping them feel more confident and more beautiful, and then also storytelling. So you also um, become an advocate for the artisans that we partner with, and then you earn an income. So it's anywhere from uh, 20 to 35%. And then we now have a new compensation plan where you can actually grow a team and have an entire career path. So we have some new ambassadors where they are doing this absolutely full-time for their full-time career, which is super rewarding for me because trust me, we didn't start off like that. So we've been able to really offer a career path for women. And that's been really, really fun.
0: And I love it too, because I know that, you know, I have several friends who are starting to have babies and they're trying to figure out like what work looks like and, you know, childcare looks like. And then I have a lot of friends. Yeah. And I have a lot of friends who are trying to figure out like just what to do next. And yeah, they're looking for flexible work. And this is exactly that. And, you know, if you, are are looking to make an impact and have flexible work. Like those are, these two are like, it it goes together perfectly. I love that. It's
1: pretty amazing. I mean, I can't believe this actually exists. (laughs) It's like fashion, impact, income, travel, flexibility. It's pretty amazing.
0: It's so good. I love what you're doing. It is so after my heart. I like, I, I just love it. Okay. So my last three questions are the first one is, uh, what has God been teaching you lately? Gosh, I think God has
1: been teaching me to drink while I pour. So as I was talking earlier, I was like, yep, this is what I'm learning right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a book launch is insane and it's crazy because I've started a business eight years ago and it required so much hustle, like to, to, to grow it and then to build it and then to scale it. And it's crazy to be launching a book, which is kind of a similar thing season of crazy, crazy hustle. And I am such a like hustler. Like, I'm just like, all right, like how are we going to do this? Like, let's do this thing. But I think to really enjoy the journey and approach it, not from a place of fear, like what if people don't buy it? Or what if we don't make a list or any of that stuff to approach it more from a place of like, I can't believe I get to do this. Like, I'm so excited to bring this message into the world. So again, it's like, the outcome is the outcome. How am I going to get there? I can choose that and I can choose that every day. So I'm spending extra time in prayer right now because I don't even want to start my day until I am set until I'm literally set where my fuel tank is being um, drawn from love and not fear.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. So this is sort of switching gears a little bit, but what is something, and it can truly be anything. What is something that's like bringing you joy these days. Something you're just loving. And it can be anything from like tacos to your kids. It can, anything in between. <laughs> um okay, well I just
1: discovered on TV the other day like all of our recordings that kind of automatically record we had been recording so you think you can dance. <gasps> all right. I all right. Love that show so you think you can dance and I think it's because it's like artists and they're living their dream and they're stepping out there. So we are binge watching. So you think you can dance right now? And it makes me super, super happy. I
0: love that. I love shows like that. You're, you're like in tears as you're cheering this yes. person on. Yes. Live your dream girl, live your dream. Yes. That's so good. Okay. So my last question is tell us about a woman, just give her a big old shout out who is inspiring you these days that we can go and follow along with.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well. I, I guess I would say I was really humbled. Um, I don't know if you know Brene Brown. I mean, I, yes, Queen Bee, absolutely. I mean, I don't yeah. know her, but yes, Brene Brown, yeah. the best. So she gave me a really amazing endorsement for oh. my book and just has been someone who, like, she didn't need to show up for me, but she, she really has. And that really speaks a lot to me. I think when any woman who is, has a significant platform and influence decides, you know what? I believe in that. I'm going to show up for that. Um, I mean that, that really speaks to me and creates a domino effect in my own life for me to want to do that for others.
0: I love that. I love that. It's funny. Brene Brown has been mentioned by several women here on the show, and I she's just—I feel like she's just made an enormous impact on all of us. And yeah, I love that. Has. I love that. Well, Jessica, I loved getting to chat with you. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for your message of courage and for teaching us how to go scared. I am so excited for for the next chapter of the story that God's going to be writing in all of our listeners' lives. I just—I think he has some really good stuff around the corner for us. We just have to get up on shaky legs and take a couple steps forward. That's right. Thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation. You guys, isn't Jessica amazing? Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? I just love her and I love her story. And there were so many times I was just bowled over by God's truth and his love as she talked. My goodness, game changing, right? Don't forget that if you ever want to find any of the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog and you'll find links for everything we talked about, including links for Jessica. So you can pick up her book, listen to her podcast and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. Friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It doesn't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure that your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask you all a favor. If you enjoyed the episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, you can't even believe it. And it really would mean so much to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. Friends, thanks again for joining us for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.